0: Let me ask you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. Now we're going we're to read a portion that uh, we had read last week, but we're focusing in on uh, uh, the latter part, the prayer, in a few moments. If you remember, what had taken place was that uh, Peter and John had been uh, bearing witness for Christ. Uh, They had preached the truth, and the truth is sometimes hard to hear, especially by those who see themselves as religious, but they don't line up with what the truth is. And they were actually imprisoned uh, when they were finally released. Uh, This is the portion that we are uh, picking up with. And They found no uh, good reason to continue to hold them, although they saw them as a a threat. So, uh, beginning with verse 23, it says, When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly, in this city there were gathered together While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed uh, through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. For your word, will you move it from a page to our hearts? We ask your precious spirit for this, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know any Christian churches that are truly Christian churches that would not want to experience the power that the early church experienced. And so many churches will study the book of Acts and will say, well, look, they did this, so we need to do this, and then maybe we'll get that power. The problem being, if they look at things that they were doing and miss what really empowered them, then they they miss the whole point. You can't just simply imitate that church outwardly without realizing where the power has come from. Now, we're not that far into the book, but in chapter 1, it talks about how the church joined constantly in prayer in chapter two they devoted themselves to prayer and here in this chapter we see that as well now i think we tend to give lip service to that i think we say yeah yeah we you know let's make our plans and Oh, okay, we better pray. And too often it's an afterthought rather than the very underpinnings, rather than the driving force. If we really believed that it was prayer, then we would be beating a path to the throne of God, our knees would be worn out. Because we knew that's, that is ultimately the key. Too often, I think we, we tend to be like a little boy I saw with his dad, and this was in a restroom. Now, I've got I to gotta tell you, I don't typically give bathroom illustrations. <laughs> but this one was so innocent. Little boy walked in. Uh, I was at uh, uh, a gathering. It was a public restroom. And the little boy walked in, and uh, it was one of those bathrooms with the automatic flushes. You know what I mean? And uh, he walked into a stall followed by his dad, and as soon as he walked in, the toilet flushed. And I heard him say, because he said it loud enough for everybody in there to say, Hey, I haven't even done anything yet. (laughs) He was thinking that something else was going to trigger that. And I'm just afraid, too often, we tend to think that too. Now, we don't say it out loud. But, you know, we've, we've, we've had just some wonderful uh, excitement about Vision 2017. And it's a good thing where, you know, it's, it's the right thing to do. But as I cautioned us all the way through, we can't trust in that. We can't trust in, you know, a new building. We can't trust in any of these things. And I think maybe God was even showing us today, let's not trust in all of our little preparations There's lessons in that. What must be behind and in the middle of and go before everything we do? Let's look in this passage. We're going to go through it quickly. Uh, Verse uh, 23, it says this. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, Look, here's their first reaction. Their absolute first reaction. It was not, oh no, we're in trouble. It was, you know, there wasn't a wringing of hands. There wasn't a, let's figure out a good strategy to deal with this. It says, when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, and then we're going to look at what they said in a moment. Now, we mentioned this last week, but it's clear that for the early church, they saw prayer as their first and best option. It wasn't the last and least. It wasn't something that, oh, wait a minute, we better tag this on if we want God's blessing. And, you know, frankly for them, some of it might have been out of desperation, they didn't know what to do next but isn't that where we need to be to sense that we are desperate without him we had prayed here at St. Andrews for a a, a fellow pastor Clay Werner over in Lexington Uh, It went out on our prayer email Uh, he and his wife just had twins and one had a heart defect. His name's Noah. And they went to Charleston for surgery. This is this is what Clay said. The past few days have been among the toughest of our lives. We came extremely close to losing our son Noah to what doctors call, uh, I'm not sure the right way to say it, but coarctation. And then he explains what that is. I'll leave that part out, but it's Uh, uh, explains the defect and it's a life or death defect here's what he continues to say it hurts so bad to feel so helpless when our little boy was in such bad condition but then the spirit reminded me that I am not helpless in this situation I can pray others can pray we can run to the throne of grace in our time of need we cannot thank the body of Christ enough for the prayers desperation yeah but also an, an under an understanding that we aren't just doing something when we're running around in activity when you pray you really are doing something we see as they prayed what they said And they declared their belief about God. Uh, Verse 24, the last part. Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And we we, uh, read that from the psalm, Psalm 148. We have sung of that today. This is the first time in the book of Acts that prayer begins this way with that phrase, sovereign Lord. That phrase... Is the word I usually don't give you the actual Greek word, but um, you'll recognize it in English. Despotes, a despot. Now, what that what that is? A despot is, uh, you know, it can be a, a slave owner, but it's or, or or someone who is completely in authority, absolutely in unquestionable control. And that's how they address Him. Sovereign Lord. Now that might sound minor, but it's an indication of why they were able to pray so boldly. They were praying to a big God and they knew it. Absolutely knew it. Let me contrast that with uh, in one of my previous churches. It was in a, a large city, and right before I got to the area, um, they had built a Hindu temple. They brought in their gods from across the world, and on over the eyes of their gods. They put wax, supposedly, so they could not see. Would that inspire confidence in you? To have a God that weak, that puny? We are talking about, and we are today worshiping a sovereign God. The despot who is full of grace and mercy on his people. Who is absolutely in control but always does what's best for his people. And that's who they addressed here. Look at verse uh, 25 then. Uh, What they did as they prayed is they applied his word in prayer. Now, think about this when you pray. How often do you just absolutely use his word, you know? In order to do that, you've got to know his word. But that's what they they did here. Uh, I won't even read those. I read them just a moment ago, verse 25 and 26. It's from Psalm 2. And it's about the rebellion of man and God's dealing with it. But here's the comfort in these. And that is that this Messiah that they were now preaching about was the Messiah that was spoken of in the Old Testament. And their other confidence was this opposition that we are now facing was told to us beforehand. There will be opposition. But that's the comfort because they were going to a sovereign Lord. We're often surprised by what takes place in our world and in our lives. There, a lot of times at the end of the week, I, I think to myself, sometimes I say it out loud, I'm glad I didn't know what, what was going to happen this week. Do you ever feel that way at the end of a week? Now, we think we would like to know, oh, if I just knew how this was going to come out, but, but trust me, it would not be better if you knew. Nothing surprises God, that was a comfort to them. It should be to us as well. And then they declared his attributes. Um, It says this, verse uh, 24, When they heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God uh, and said, Sovereign Lord, there you see an attribute. Um, And then verse 25, Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the holy spirit why the gentiles rage and so on and then verse 28 uh, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place by the way we're next week we're actually going to unpack that we've we've gone from looking at, at the the big picture of this uh uh passage to looking at just the prayer but we're going to deal with this whole of uh, thought of whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. We're going to stop and and look at that uh, next week for a little while. But but what happened here as they're praying and and you you can model your prayers after this is before they ever ask him for anything they affirmed who he is. They talked about his sovereignty they talked about him as creator they said you revealed yourself that's you know as they quote the Word of God and they talked about him as the God of creator you created you declared and you determined I'm coming up on my uh, 6th anniversary of coming here to St Andrews and uh, my first series here was on the attributes of God and the reason I did that, and I explained it at the, at the time, was when I was in seminary, I took a systematic theology, I took a few systematic theology courses, but in, in one of them, the uh, professor, it was on the attributes of God, and he said this, uh, look, when you go to a, a church, you're new in the church, and I thought, oh good, he's going to tell me what theology to preach and all that, uh, and... You know, some would think he's going to say, well, preach through the Westminster Confession of Faith or, you know, something like that. He said, make your first series on the attributes of God. Because then everything else you preach after that is based upon them. Well, I've done that in each church where I have served. And I agree with him. That everything we we believe and everything we do is based on the character of God, and these early Christians understood that as well. Now, now they get to petition. They included petition. Look at um, we'll look at verse 29 in a minute. After emphasizing and acknowledging who God is, praising Him, using His word, then they began to request or petition Him. Now. I want, I want us to be reminded of the situation. Peter and John had been arrested. Surely there had been uh, there would be concern for the apostles' safety, for their own. They knew that if they continued to preach and preach boldly, uh, that they probably weren't safe. They could be arrested again. Maybe it'd be worse this time. That's the situation. If you were in that situation, what would you ask for? I thought about that this week. You know what, in my, in my flesh, <laughs> what I think I would ask for? God, give us protection. Protect us from, from anything that might happen to us I'm not saying that would be completely wrong that's acknowledging his sovereignty and so on but look what they ask for verse 29 and now Lord look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness (laughs) you see here they, they finally petition, and then they say, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed uh, through the name of your holy servant. They asked for two things. They asked for boldness and for God to show His power. They didn't ask for anything that could be seen as selfish or even self-protecting. It was... Help us to continue to be bold. You think God's going to answer a prayer like that? I think he would. And we'll see in a moment he did. Absolutely. I love Charles Wesley's statement. Wesley said this, Give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God and I care not whether they be clergymen or laymen, they alone will shake the gates of hell and set up a kingdom of heaven upon earth. When I saw that prayer again this week, I stopped and prayed, God, will you give us a hundred members at St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church? That fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. Will you do that? I, I would ask you to pray that with me. And I'd rather have 700. I'd rather have a thousand. But Wesley is quite right with that kind of boldness. Now how does that happen? Where do you get even one person who fears nothing but sin and desires nothing but God? Here's the answer. Look what happens when they prayed. uh, Verse 31, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. That's what happened. You ask God for that, He loves to answer that prayer. They followed through actively. Would that give you courage? If you prayed for boldness and the place was shaken and you were filled with the Spirit? Absolutely. And it's right to ask that we be filled with the Spirit and I'm good if we ask him to shake this place. In his presence there will be things happening. Jonathan Edwards said, boldness enables Christians to forsake all rather than Christ and to prefer to offend all rather than to offend him. That's a holy boldness. That's not just in order to offend people. But it's better to offend people than to offend God. Look at what happens then. They experience blessing. There were results from their prayers. Often the early church is seen, as, as I said, as a model for how churches should function. But we, we always want to not just look at those ministries, but what's behind it. They were prayer-driven. You see them, they loved each other. They helped each other. They saw that no one among them had needs. If I could help another, I would do it. And that's how they functioned they had beautiful character much grace was given to them it says this verse 33 I didn't read this earlier with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all and then verse 34 we see ministry flowing out of them there was not a needy person among them for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and there was a unity among them now, uh, verse 32 again the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own but they had everything in common and then back in verse 24 when they heard it they lifted their voices together to God now how does that kind of ministry take place I just read to you from verse 24 it says they, they lifted their voices together a very unique word and even that word uh, voice voices is the root where we get our word symphony now I want you to think about what takes place at a symphony okay I see the look on some of your faces you're saying Dale, have you ever been to a symphony? You know, why are you giving us a music illustration? Let me give you my credentials. I took eight years of piano, so uh, <laughs> a few years of guitar, all right? Plus, I asked Jim Gill if this was indeed true, okay? So, <laughs> it's true. This is, this is what happens when you go into the symphony hall, the orchestra comes in, the oboe plays an A, and section by section they begin to tune to the oboe, to that one. You're never in, in better tune than when you, everybody tunes to that one. That's what we do here every Sunday morning in church and Sunday school. We are tuning our hearts to Christ. And that's how this kind of ministry takes place. That's how this kind of filling takes place as we all tune our hearts and our lives to that one, that clear and present tone of Jesus Christ that is there for his people. As we focus on growing as disciples in Jesus, especially this fall, I am praying that God will cause us to be more sold out to him as we tune our hearts to him. Let's pray together. Lord, once again, There's way more to this than just walking away saying, yeah, I need to pray more. Will you prompt us to do it? Will you prompt us to to feel the desperation that we need to so that we will tune our hearts and our lives to the Lord Jesus in prayer? And then, Lord, will you give us a boldness? can be frightening even to ask for, but it's not a boldness in ourselves. Lord, we're asking for you to fill us with your Spirit and give us that boldness. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.